Good morning, everybody. Or oh, afternoon, my bad. It's 12, 11. Good afternoon. Y'all still say good morning. Thanks for not leaving me hanging. Um, I'm Alvin, for those of you here for the first time. Welcome to Nashville Life. I serve as lead pastor here. I hope you're enjoying yourself. Uh, I really enjoyed the music team. Um, thank you so much, everyone who served and everyone who's serving on all the teams. Trey up there for production. We've got Kids Life downstairs, Tammy's team. Guest Services is doing it. It's prayer, finance. It's just a lot of people that are here today that are helping make Nashville life what it is. So I want to honor all of you all. Um, you know who you are. And, um, but yeah, I'm excited to be here. This is, yeah, let's give them a hand. They work hard, guys. They work hard. Um, Pastor, great, glad you're here, honored to have you. Oh, man, all right, so we are on day eight of 21 Days of Prayer, so we're still trucking. We had a great last week. Uh, the biggest turnout I've seen for 21 Days of Prayer, uh, people showing up at 6 a.m., praying till 7. Um, it's been great every morning, um, and then we uh, had a great serve day yesterday. We went to Men of Valor and uh, didn't do as much work as we wanted to do. The rain sort of stopped us about an hour in, but we still had a great time of connection. We got to uh, get to know the guys of Men of Valor. Um, we had to have some time of ministry. Uh, one man from Men of Valor actually got baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. We were like, whoa. So God is was still able to move. Uh, we do plan to go back and finish the work that we wanted to do, so we'll give you guys a heads up on where that, what that new date is. Um, and then on top of yesterday, serve day, we had a wedding. We celebrated uh, Michaela and Rayvon Edwards, young couple from church, got married last night. And I was honored to officiate, and uh, it was a good time of celebration. Saw a lot of Nashville life there. Um, but yeah, good things are happening, y'all, and I'm just... Glad to be with you, and I'm excited about today. We are in week two of a series we're doing for the month of August. Um, it's the book of Colossians. We're going through the book of Colossians chapter by chapter this month. There's four chapters in Colossians, four weeks. And uh, I was reading, I shared this last week. I was reading Colossians and really saw that the vision of our church is very prevalent in this book. Um, the vision of our church, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's simple. It's following Jesus, building leaders. That's the, that's the vision. That's why Nashville Life exists. And we do it via uh, four steps. We lead everyone to know God first, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And we believe that really is everything you do in the kingdom of God sort of fits within these four steps. Getting to know God being delivered, being set free, finding freedom, discovering your purpose, the why to your salvation. Why did God save you? Why did he set you free? And then being released to go and make a difference, make an impact on the world around you for Jesus Christ. Um, last week, we did chapter one of Colossians, and we focused on the step of knowing God. And this week, we're going to focus on chapter two, and discover how to find freedom. My prayer is as we go on to Colossians 2, you leave with a hunger for freedom and a better understanding of what freedom is in Christ. Um, before we do it, let's repeat these words after me if you can. Say, uh, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it.
In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, let's get into the word. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Paul says, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you um, in those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul, who wrote this letter, is an amazing apostle, making a great impact on this new growing church, uh, the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. And he said he's conflicted. He was sad because he couldn't be with them physically. He was hearing about all the amazing things God was doing through this new exciting church. And he was like, man, I just wish I could be with y'all. I'm conflicted because I, I would love to be with you in person and see what God is doing in person. Um, Paul, obviously human being, he can only be one place at one time. He couldn't be everywhere and, and experience everything firsthand, which is why he wrote these letters. Another big reason is the man was in prison when he wrote this uh, letter. He was in jail. Uh, so it's, it, he physically could not be there. But even though he wasn't there physically, Paul's prayer was that the church would be knit together in love. And that same prayer is the prayer that we have for Nashville Life, for everyone here to not just be here, but to really be knit together, to be connected via the love of God, for God's love to be the glue that really bonds us all together, binds us all together. Um, I share that same prayer that Paul has for the Colossian church. Um, I wanna talk about connection and growth really quickly. Those are two priorities for us at Nashville Life. Uh, connection and growth, to grow in Christ in context to community, to grow while being connected to each other. And um, there's no stronger connection than the love of God, um, a love for God and a love for people. I'm all for having common interest. You know, we both like the same sports or we're both from the same part of town or we're both, you know, in the, we're both newlyweds. There's, there's a lot of different ways to find connection. But I want to tell you guys, there's no greater connection than for the love of God to be what you two share. Um, and I'm praying that that's the, that's the glue that, that connects us all. Uh, the way we minister growth and connection here at Nashville Life, you heard about it already, um, our life groups. We start our fall semester coming up. And I would love for as many of you as possible to really give a, give a real effort to finding a life group um, because I truly believe that those that, that, that allow life groups to do this, it really does build connection and growth in your life. We've got hundreds of testimonies to support that. And if you tried it once, try it again. It's worth the effort. And I truly believe it's, it's a God-given gift for our church to live in connection and in growth. Our semester starts August 28th, and we go all the way through November. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of it. But let's get back into verse 4. Colossians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, Paul says, Now this I say, lest anyone should be, sorry, should deceive you with persuasive words. Hmm. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith. So Paul is encouraged. He likes what he's hearing about from the Colossian church. He's happy. But despite how 
good things are going in Colossians, maybe even because things are going so well, Paul finds it necessary to start introducing the defense aspect of our Christian walk. Um, as much as I would love to say that our walk was only about God being for us, I'd be lying if I told y'all, or if I didn't tell you, that uh, we have an enemy that's against us as well. And I don't believe that we are called to live lives focused on the enemy, but we're also uh, not called to live lives that are ignorant of the enemy. And it's important for us to know that there is a defensive aspect to our walk. Um, and, and Paul wanted them to know that so that they wouldn't find themselves vulnerable to the schemes that the enemy was bound to try to bring to sabotage this great growth that was happening in the Colossian church. Uh, verse 6 through 7, let's stay there. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, Paul says. He says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So Paul says uh, four things I want to highlight in that passage. He says, being rooted, being built up, being established, and being taught. And I want to group those four words up into two words, and that's time and training. I think any believer that comes to Christ needs to leave room for time and training for you to be properly rooted in Christ, because Jesus gives a scenario about a seed that was planted and all these other elements that came to try to keep that seed from, from producing fruit. And part of the ways of being stable in your faith and having longevity and success in your faith is allowing time and training for you to be rooted in Christ and established in Christ so you're able to withstand all of the things that are going to come against your faith. Um, I don't want to scare anybody because I don't believe we're called to live in fear, but I also believe we need to be aware that there is an enemy that wants to sift us and he wants to knock us off our trail. And if we're not properly rooted and properly established, and if we haven't left enough time for, for the saints of God and those leaders that God has placed in your life to, to teach you, um, please don't be offended at the necessity for you to be taught. The Lord is not trying to make you feel less than. No one is saying that you're stupid. No one's saying that you, but it's, it's, it's a part of your development for, for teaching and time and training. Um, I just sometimes wish when I see people who have a great encounter with God and God moves powerfully in your life and I see his hand on your life. And as a pastor, sometimes I just wish we would leave a little bit more time for us to be rooted and for us to be taught so that we can last and our encounter with God can be more than just an exciting few months, but it can be a 30, 40, 50 year journey with Jesus. That stuff doesn't happen without having time to be trained and to be rooted and established. And, and Paul is teaching that to the Colossian church. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse eight, he says, beware. So he's training them now. He says, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. 
It says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He says, and you are complete in him. Complete means complete. Like there's nothing else you need in him who is the head of all principality and power. So he starts talking about deception more. And deception is a primary tool of the enemy to lead believers away from God and into something else. Uh, Deception is something that comes all of our way, but it's especially dangerous for uh, vulnerable believers. And I, was, I, was give, I gave a list the last two services of, of people that I think fall in the most vulnerable of believers, and this is what I came up with. I, I've seen the most vulner, vulnerable believers are new believers, isolated believers, offended or hurt believers, and unaccountable believers. Uh, new believers, because you're new. You're still trying to figure out. You're still trying to work up the muscle and the strength. You're not used to using these weapons, and you, you, you haven't had enough time to learn how to really quench out those fiery darts that the enemy throws your way. So you're vulnerable. That's why we need new believers usually need a lot more extra care. Like a newborn babe, you can't do a ton on your own. You don't know a lot of the word. You don't know how to apply the word. God's hands on your life and God's spirit is in you. You just are new to this. So it's a vulnerable place to be in. isolated believers when when the enemy is looking to get us he always goes for the lone sheep first because they're the easiest they give the least resistance it's harder to take a sheep away when he's in a pack but when a, when a sheep's by himself that's just low-hanging fruit like that's just easy so if you're by yourself you are uh, a lot easier of a target for the enemy than if you are supported and surrounded by other saints. Uh, Number three, offended believers. When you're offended, when you are hurt, you're just in a state to where you're a lot more... When you're offended and hurt, the lies of the enemy sound a lot more convincing than when you're not offended and when you're not hurt. When you're offended and you're hurt, uh, it's very hard to not say amen to the devil. Um, he can tell you a lot of things, and in that offended place, you are much more likely to say, yeah, you're right, than when you're not offended, which is why forgiveness is so important to quickly hold on to because it'll protect you. It'll, 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 it'll end that, that window of time of being offended and hurt, which means you're closing that window of time to be as uh, vulnerable to the enemy's voices as you are um, when you are offended and hurt. So that's a vulnerable place. And then unaccountable. When you don't have any people in your life, whether friends or leaders, that, that you have to give an account for the actions that you're doing and the things that you're thinking. Um, I think accountability serves as a mirror for all of us. Um, it gives you a chance to see yourself from a perspective that you can't see it when it's just you. Um, accountability allows you to see yourself. And the quicker you can see yourself, the, uh, the less blind you'll be, and the, uh, which means you won't be falling into, like, ditches and stuff. So, so when you're accountable, you, you can see yourself, and you're least likely to veer off into no man's land. So those are the four I thought about. Uh, so if you're any of those types, uh, please beware, because 
you are currently in a position where you're just more vulnerable than, than, than others. So, so either, either do something about it or, or pray or, or ask for forgiveness or, or, or find people. Uh, reach out for people, guys. If you know that you're starting to drift and you're starting to be lonely, I'm telling you guys, don't just let the current continue to take you away. Fight that current like your life depends on it because I promise you it does. Um, let's keep going. Okay, deception. I can't, I, I was thinking how to sum up the, what I, I was trying to sum up the definition of deception. I'm not saying this is the definition of it, but this is something that I think is helping me and I want to share with you. Um, deception is when an aspect of God becomes a God causing you to leave God. Deception always presents an aspect or a facade of, of, of truth or something that is of God. Um, for instance, God is kind, right? So deception will send a kind man your way. And as long as he's kind, you'll let kindness become the banner and you'll follow this kind person who actually is kind but doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, but he's kind. But God is kind, so then you start walking towards the kind guy, and next thing you know, you're nowhere with God anymore because the guy was kind, because God is kind. You get what I'm saying? The Lord, uh, deception takes aspects of God. And if you're not careful, you'll let the aspect of God become the God, and then you'll find yourself being nowhere near God. And it happens all the time. Deception always takes you to where you were not intended to go. You always end up, when you're deceived, you end up somewhere that you did not sign up for. You're like, I did not sign up for this. And that's why deception is deception. It's like it led you to where you were not intending to go. Um, I've seen this happen a lot in the body of Christ. And I was just thinking of some different categories that that where that aspect of God has caused people to really drift away from the path of, of God and, and, and the presence of God. I see it, uh, I've seen it done uh, through politics. I've seen it done through social justice. I've seen it done through health and diet. I've seen it done through academics. I've seen it done through fitness. I've seen it done through art and creativity, uh, uh, the pursuit of love and happiness, which, I mean, we all want, um, fun. I've seen it done through family and even through ministry, believe it or not. All the things I listed have aspects of God. But if we let the aspect of God become God, it will actually be the very thing that leads us away from God. The way we go about it is what verse 9 says. Verse 9 says, find everything in Christ. Realize that Christ has the completeness that you need, the fullness of God, the fullness of life is in Jesus Christ. So instead of chasing aspects of God, just chase Jesus and allow every aspect of your life stem from him. So if you want to have fun, don't chase fun. Chase Jesus and let your fun, let fun stem from Jesus. And you will find yourself having the kind of fun that doesn't pull you away from God. Because I'm telling you, if all of us just chase fun, we're going to find ourselves in some pretty messed up places. But if we stem fun through Jesus then it's all good. Family. Stem family from Jesus because otherwise 
the voices of your relatives will be louder than the voice of God. I, I know, uh, family first is a problematic statement. Because Christ has to be first. Amen. Let's keep going. Verse 11. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, sweet. Okay, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Uh, I plug life groups. I'm going to plug water baptisms. We believe that water baptisms is not only a joyful experience, but it's an obedient experience. Jesus commands us to be baptized. Our church offers water baptisms every every fifth Sunday. Our next one is October 29th. Um, It's a great way to uh, not just experience something with the Lord, but experience it with your community. Um, it's, a, it's a great win for, for you and a great win for the body of Christ when you're water baptized. Um, but I just wanted to let you guys know that's a part, that's the next step. If you, if you follow Jesus and if you made him your Lord and if you have not yet been water baptized, I'm telling you, that's the next step for you. And I pray you take it in October. Uh, let's see, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. We're getting through this. We're getting through this. Verse 13, it says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, praise God, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it, taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Praise God. The reason why freedom is a necessity for y'all because human beings cannot move forward if we're stuck. No matter how much you want to, no matter how much you try to, if you're stuck it's not a matter of won't. It's a matter of can't. I mean, have you ever had your foot stuck somewhere? Like you're pulling and yanking and nothing's coming because your foot's stuck. We need freedom because we have a lot of things that, that can cause us to be stuck in this life. Sin makes us stuck. A lot of you guys could be experiencing so much more of life, but it's that one sin or those two sins that that have had you in the same place for about 12 years. And the Lord wants to see you released from that thing that's holding you from keeping you from experiencing the hope and the future that he has for you. Some of us are are still stuck by the debts of our our mistakes in the past and shame and guilt. And we're convinced that we've got to pay back all this stuff and pay for all this stuff that that we did and that we're still, we, we still are, we still aren't walking in the forgiveness of God. And we don't realize that the, the debt and the requirements that was against your life 
could be washed away because of the blood of Jesus. So until you apply the blood of Jesus to your life, you still have the weight of all your sin still on your back, and it's what's wearing you down every day. It's a wonder that some of you guys can even walk because the weight of sin is so heavy on you, and it's got you stuck. Some of us are stuck by accusations, the, the accuser of the brethren. Satan's always accusing you, and he's always reminding you of the things you do, and he's lying to you and telling you these things that you're doing. that you're, It's not even who you are, and he's lying. Someone told me the, the only power that the devil has over us is the power of the lie. And as soon as we can realize that he's lying and his words are not valid, the sooner we can be free. The Lord doesn't want us to be stuck anymore, especially by lies, guys. I mean, these are lies that he's telling. And spiritual bullies, some of us are being bullied by demons and spiritual forces and principalities. They're just, just beating you up and taking your lunch money every day. And it's like, when, enough is enough. Like, some of y'all are seriously being tormented. And it's got you stuck. And, the, and Paul is bringing the news to us that the blood of Jesus has overcome everything that has you stuck today. The blood of Jesus has actually and literally and supernaturally overcome everything that has you stuck. There's not a single thing you guys can talk about to me right now. I don't care if it's a disease. I don't care if it's an emotional state. I'm not care if, I don't, if it's a traumatic situation. There's nothing that you can tell me that has not been overcome by the blood of Jesus. And, you know, I was going to say no disrespect to the things, but yes, disrespect to it. I feel like we respect our mountains way more than we respect our God. I believe we respect our trauma way more than we respect our Savior. I think we respect our sin and our struggles way more than we respect the power of God. So, yes, disrespect to the thing. Not that your feelings don't matter, but, guys, God is greater than anything that you've ever gone through. His blood is more powerful than anything that you've ever been through. There is no tragedy that is greater than the blood of Jesus. There is no setback that is greater than the power of the cross. I had to catch myself. This generation has gotten us more respectful of pain and, and trauma than, than the glory of God. And it's making us weak. I'm not promoting insensitivity. I'm not, promote, I'm not promoting arrogance. But guys, I believe we revere and we are more respectful of, of our issues than we are of our deliverer. Enough's enough, guys. If he's greater, let him be greater. Okay. Um, verse 16 through 18. Praise God. Verse 16. He says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink. So he's going somewhere else, but, but stick with me. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up 
by his fleshly mind. So this is a very contextual part. He's speaking to a specific group about a real issue that was going on during that time. But I still think we can find relevance in our lives. Um, Paul was noticing a trend during this time that non-Jewish Christians were sort of being burdened by uh, the convictions and the practices of Jewish Christians. Uh, Jews were the first ones to come to Christ. They were the first disciples. They were the first ones that actually experienced uh, salvation as a people. But they came to Jesus with a lot of what we'll call uh, sacred cows. And sacred cows are things that are so important to you that you actually started to make it something that is spiritual and it's really of, of man. So they were taking traditions and cultures and values, which there's nothing wrong with those things. But we get into error any time we let traditions and cultural values carry the same weight as things that are spiritual and things that are, are of God. So they were doing that. Things like circumcision uh, and things like just other, other practices and things that were important to their tradition. They were sort of making Gentiles feel like they had to adopt these same practices to be saved. And it made Paul real mad because he was trying to minister freedom to these people. And he would minister freedom and he would set them free. And then a few weeks later, he would hear that they started adopting all these other things that started weighing them down after he just set them free. So he was like, stop, stop doing that. Stop doing that. He's telling us, he's telling them what freedom actually is. And, and let's keep going on verse, verse 19 of Colossians 2. He says, and not holding fast to the head. So the head is Christ. So what they were doing, they were taking, again, like I said, these aspects of God and these, these parts of religion, and they were holding fast to these things more than Christ. And it was causing them to veer off and not stay in the center of, of, of where, where Christ is. And Paul said, not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. So, so he's trying to tell them... Your focus is on too many other things. Focus on the head. Focus on Christ. And trust that in Christ is everything you need. Christ is enough. His grace is enough to teach you how to live holy. His grace is enough to empower you to live a life of holiness. You don't have to adopt all of these extra uh, things in order to become more sanctified. His, his, his holiness and his, his, his Holy Spirit and his blood is what sanctifies you, not all of these rituals that you felt like you, you had to do. Let's keep going in verse 20. He, he kind of elaborates more and makes it more clear. It says, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations do not touch and do not taste and do not handle, which all concern things which perish uh, with the using, according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. So they were making a mistake of taking man-made doctrine and rules and holding it with the same weight as commandments from God. And, and Paul was correcting this. Uh, verse 23, he says, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-opposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body. So it seemed real pious, and it looked like it would make them more holy, 
but he gave them news in this last part. He says, but they are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So what's good is that we don't want to be indulging in our flesh. That's a good thing. And we don't want to live in sin. That's a good thing. Uh, the important thing is to know how to achieve that. And a lot of times people have good intentions, you know, not, I don't want to sin. That's a good goal. Um, but not knowing how to achieve that. So, so I don't sin, let me cut my hair or let me start wearing my jeans this way instead of that way. And it's like, man... It's good that you don't want to sin, but it's not going to come because of your genes. You know, it's not going to become, it's going to come by your faith in Christ. It's going to come by knowing who God is and allowing his spirit to change your heart and allowing his spirit to convict you and to guide you. And, and that's what Paul was trying to show you. They, they started putting a lot of emphasis on other things to make them holy when it's only Christ Jesus and his spirit that can do that, right? So uh, I'm ending with just one, one more plug. It's one of our life groups. We have great life groups, but there's one in particular I want to highlight, and that's the Freedom Life Group. You must have gone. It's a good one. Freedom is a great life group that I actually want every single person, if you can, uh, to experience. I think everyone, especially if you serve on team, everyone should spend at least one semester. I mean, it's only one semester. So you should submit, send a, spend a semester uh, going through Freedom. And this is why. A lot of reasons, but the one that's connected to this passage that I just read in Colossians. The first session of the Freedom Life Group, there's a message that Pastor Chris Hodges uh, teaches. And it is uh, the distinction between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And he comes out the gate saying, the Lord wants you to experience freedom a lot. You guys are going to be repenting of a lot. You're going to be renouncing a lot. But he kind of gives them a, an encouragement to not forget that Jesus is the giver of life. And I say that is because it gets real easy. Some of y'all can relate. It's real easy to allow your Christianity to be defined by your restrictions and what you can't do and what the devil is doing and you know, you just live your life kind of based on what you can't do instead of what you can do. Um, I've heard someone say before, you know, it's not so much what we've been saved from, but what we've been saved for. And I think as Christians, if we're not careful, we can start to live our lives um, based on the negative rather than the positive. So yes, it's good that you abstain, but man, there's so much more for, of life that God has for us. And I just think that if the tree of life analogy is saying when you, when you follow Christ from the tree of life, you are pursuing a hope and a future that God has for you. And yes, you flee from the enemy, but I don't think our Christianity should be defined by I'm running away from the devil. Because it glorifies the devil way more than he deserves. Your faith should be, I'm running towards Jesus. Yeah, and, and will I leave the devil in the dust? Yes, but that's, that's a byproduct of running towards Jesus, opposed to, I'm running for the devil and I, I might find Jesus, you know? Um, because you cannot do sinful things and still not have a relationship with God. Like, 
you can abstain from X, Y, and Z and still have no faith. Um, so, so, so it's about pursuing Jesus and letting his spirit purify your heart, change your desires, bring the conviction that you need, and, and stem your guidelines and your do's and you don't, your don'ts from a pursuit of Christ, the one who gives you life and life more abundantly. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fulfilling, and you'll be a lot more fun to others. Um, if you live your life for Jesus and from a place of the life that he gives you, opposed to uh, the alternative. So knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference are the four steps of, of the, the life of someone here at our church. And the reason why I'm repeating them is because you find freedom so that you can have the liberty and the ability to walk in your purpose. That's why that step is there, to find freedom, because there's certain things that you can't even do that you've been called to do if you're still bound. If, you're, if you have a chain on your arm and you can't move and God's plans for your life is over by that window, you can't get there until you break free from this chain that's on your arm, and now you're free to walk over to the window. So that's, that's just the, the practicality of freedom and deliverance. It, it frees you to experience God's plans for your life. Some of y'all haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet. Some of y'all haven't even gotten to the fun part yet. Y'all, it gets so good. And as long as we're still stuck and, and, and not free, we can't even start to explore the adventure that God has for all of our lives in Christ Jesus. Um, so I pray that over y'all today. I pray freedom, um, not just so we can be these cookie-cutter do-gooders, but so that we can be free and light and able to seize all of the wonders and all of the promises that God has stored up for his children. So I want to pray life over you today and we'll be done. We'll be done. Father, I honor you. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for abundant life, God. I thank you, Lord, for your glory. I thank you for your power. God, I pray your life over everybody who's here today. I pray your abundance of life over every person here, Lord. Flood their lives with your life. Flood their hearts with your light. God, fill them with your joy. God, give them vision for their future. God, remind them of the hope that they have in you. Lord, refresh their minds of the possibilities that you have for them on the horizon. Lord, give them a hunger for what you have for them. Lord, so they can break free from the things holding them back. Lord, and run and never turn back. Lord, let everyone here run towards you and never look back. God, because what you have for them in the future is way greater than anything they've experienced in the past. God, their future is brighter than anything that's in their past, God. So I pray that you light a fire in everybody's heart today, that they would be hungry for your righteousness. They would be hungry for you, Jesus. They would say no to all of the idols and the things they've done to replace you, God, and they would make their lives all about you, Lord. Some of them are going to do this uh, after you know they, they, they you 
you've been all they've been all about you before but something happened lord and they, they need to get back lord some of them from, some of us are going to go back to making life all about you again lord and lord we can trust that our lives can be all about you and we'll still be okay in all the other areas of our lives lord our our families and our our professions lord and our 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 social lives lord all those things will be just fine Lord, if we put you first, in fact, they'll be better than they are today. Lord, when we put you first, God, I pray, Lord, that you bless every area of their lives, God, as they surrender their hearts to you. Liberate us all, God. Liberate us all. Set us free by your blood. Set us free by your power, Lord. We choose freedom today, God, and we thank you that you are faithful to lead us to freedom and, and more freedom and more freedom, God. Lord, those who are weighed down by, by the stress of sin and the, the stress of their shame and guilt, those who are feeling burdened by the questions and the doubts and the regrets, Lord, those who are distracted by their past, God, I pray in Jesus' name, by your spirit, you would, you would call them uh, and, and, and cause them to put their hearts and their minds and their eyes on you and then lead them step by step out of their past and towards the hope and future that you have reserved for them in Christ Jesus. We pray these things in your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all say amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand on our feet. We're about to dismiss. I pray that God has spoken to you today and that, that he's given you some things to think about. Some of you guys, Some of you guys have a big decision to make right now. Some of you guys are ready to say goodbye to all of the false gods and all of the false idols and the priorities that have got in the way of God and you're ready to make Jesus Christ first place. And if that's you today, I'm so happy that you're here and I want to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is going to put Jesus first in your life. It's going to make him the Lord of your life. It's going to make him the king of your heart. It's going to make him the authority that you need so badly. And anyone who makes this choice, the grace of God will fall upon your life and his mercies will wash away all of your sins and he'll give you a fresh start this moment if you believe in your heart and pray this prayer. So I'm gonna lead us all in this prayer and, and I'm gonna ask for everyone to repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Let's praise God. Let's show him that we're grateful. Let's show them that we believe in him. We love him. God, we are here for you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace.
I'm going to ask for the prayer team to come down. If you are uh, in need of any prayer of any kind, please do not hesitate on the way out. This team is here to pray for you. They are gifted to pray. They love to pray. They have a, a grace on their life to pray for anyone who's in need. So if you need healing, if you said yes to Jesus and you want a prayer of support, it doesn't matter. We're here and you can trust them and uh, just come and get prayer. We won't keep you long, but we just want to love you and let you know that God loves you and pray his blessing over you. If you want to get connected to the church, there's two things you can do. You can either text the word BELONG to 77411 and we can connect with you that way via your phone or we got next steps in five minutes right when we dismiss you can go up one floor and we've got next steps where you can hear about the vision of our church and decide if this is a place that you want to get involved in we'd love to see you up there if you like to give thank you in advance you can give online a lot of people do that but we also have a finance team in the lobby if you want to give you know physical ties or offerings um, I love y'all. I had a great time with you today. Uh, I love getting in the Word with you. And I just want to pray a blessing over you before we leave. So, Father, I pray for your spirit to continue to minister to every person here. Bring uh, restoration and healing and strength to their hearts and to their minds. God, we thank you, Lord, for uh, your mercy. God, and we pray that you will protect us as we leave here and enjoy the rest of our Sunday, Lord. I pray that you bless this coming week of morning prayer, Lord, and I pray that you bring us all back here uh, next Sunday at the appointed time, Lord, and I just love you, and I pray that you will just continue to bless everyone here, every marriage, every family represented. In the name of Jesus, amen. Have a good rest of y'all's day, y'all. Love you.